Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome. We're so glad to have you here at Crossbridge, whether you're joining us at Peru, Morris, or online. Uh, I'm Pastor Harold. Uh, I'm one of the pastor, staff pastors here at Crossbridge. I'm also the youth pastor uh, over at the Auto Campus. I've been able to be at Peru uh, and also at Morris. I've been able to get to meet some of you. It's been a pleasure to get to know you, uh, and I'm excited. Uh, I get the opportunity to share with uh, you uh, my story about how I got to this point in my life, uh, and so I'm extremely thankful for this opportunity, and so let's go ahead and, uh, and get started. Uh, so I am originally from a town in Monticello, Kentucky, a, a southern town right on the Tennessee border there in Kentucky. It's a small town, about 6,000 people, uh, but that's where I grew up. That's where I grew up for 21 years of my life, and it was an awesome, it was an awesome experience growing up there and living there. Uh, and so it was, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I grew up in the Nazarene church. Uh, I was born and bred uh, Nazarene uh, my entire life. This is the only church setting that I know. And, uh, but I come from a broken home. My parents split when I was uh, six years old. Uh, and, and to me, that was normal as well. Um, I never really had any normal Christmases or normal holidays or normal birthdays. Uh, there was always uh, a, this distinction of whether I was going here this weekend or here this week. Uh, and so, but that was my life. Uh, and that's the life that my sister and I lived. And, uh, but my grandmother uh, was a saint in the church and she's with the Lord now, but uh, she made it a priority that she had uh, my sister and I in church every weekend, at every church event, every youth event, every children's event. Uh, she made sure that we we were uh, participating, um, and she was an extremely special lady in our life. And so I guess moving forward, uh, I was 17 years old. Uh, once again, I was still going to church. I was, I was, one, of the, I was one of the locals there every weekend, uh, and I received a call to ministry when I was 17 years old. Uh, I knew exactly what God was calling me into. I knew exactly the area of ministry that God was calling me into, uh, and I was so excited about it. At 17 years old, I was preaching on Sunday nights back when back when churches had Sunday night services. I was uh, I was preaching services once a month. I was learning. I was being equipped. I had so many things going going for me. Uh, and then going into my senior year, uh, I decided to go out for the football team. Uh, throughout my entire high school years, I didn't play uh, any sports besides golf. And so my senior year, I decided to start playing football. And uh, I ended up being uh, halfway halfway decent at it. And so halfway through my senior year, uh, my priorities started to change a little bit from pursuing God, per, from pursuing ministry, uh, to pursuing other things. And with that, uh, colleges started calling that I wasn't expecting. I started getting offers to go to school to play to play football and to uh, try to navigate these new areas of my life. And, and, it, and it really took me for a whirlwind. In that same time in my life, uh, I had a youth pastor that, uh, that resigned and as well as our senior pastor. And at that point in my life, my sister, who was my spiritual rock at the time, uh, she, she had married and, and moved on, and she was living in another state. And, and, and like I said, like I come from a broken home, and uh, I have great parents. They love me, and they love my sister, but as far as a relationship with the Lord, there, there really wasn't anything there. And so I really had no spiritual guidance in that sense. But uh, with all those things happening in my life, I kind of used the, 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 the exodus of, of our staff pastors as a reason to kind of have an exodus of my own. And, and as I was leaving, uh, leaving the church and I was 
kind of starting to run, run away from the Lord, uh, I started to pursue what Harold wanted to pursue, and, and so I did. And, and then right after graduation, I ended up attending a, a school there in Kentucky uh, to play football. Um, I made it a full year uh, at school, uh, but by the time that year had uh, been completed, uh, I was borderline alcoholic. I was in and out of terrible relationships, and, uh, and basically I went home after that year of being at school. Uh, so after that year, I went back home, and then I became the local boy who goes to school for a year and comes back home. Everything that I didn't want to be growing up, uh, I had become uh, pretty quickly. In that time, I was in and out of a ton of different jobs, jobs that I hated, jobs that made me miserable. Uh, and, and, and there at the end of, of that year, I even had a really good job. After going through some pretty bad experiences with, with uh, some employment, uh, I was just like, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What do you even enjoy at this point in your life? And I really enjoyed the game of golf. I love to play. I still love to play. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I wonder if I can get in the golf business. And I had a buddy of mine who was going to school uh, through the PGA to be a teaching assistant and to uh, eventually become a PGA teaching professional. And I thought, man, that sounds pretty cool. So why don't I try to go that route? And so I got some information and did some research. And then sure enough, I had a handicap that qualified me uh, to enter the school, and so I did that. Uh, so I ended up landing a job about 30 minutes north of where I grew up at a really good golf course, making really good money, uh, and, and I was in the golf business. I was on my way to pursuing a career that I thought was going to make me happy. And this whole time, uh, I was running from a call. Anytime that alcohol or liquor was passing my lips, I knew I was running from a call. Anytime that I was pursuing a relationship with somebody, I knew I was running from my call. This whole time, I knew that God had a purpose and a plan for me that I was refusing to buy into and, 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 and to be obedient towards. And so um, I was in a relationship once again when I was in this golf job, and, uh, and things were going great, but, but I had this relationship that just crumbled, uh, and it killed me. Uh, I, I was so devastated. I was so upset. Uh, it was a Saturday night. I remember it very vividly. It was a Saturday night. I was at home. I couldn't sleep. And I said, God, if you'll just let me get some rest, I will. I will get up and I will go to church in the morning. And I was able to fall asleep. And, and sure enough, uh, I, I get up, I drive to church. And, and, and once again, as clear as day, in my, in my pickup truck, I heard God say, this is going to be a testimonial service. It wasn't like an audible voice, but it was just in my spirit. And, um, and I, I, heard, I, I heard this, and sure enough, I was like, great. This is the last thing I want to be a part of or hear how great other people are doing. And, and so I, I, I pull up to the church parking lot, and I go in, and everybody's, Harold's here, and everybody's coming to see me. We haven't seen you in so long. And at that point, it had been a couple years since I'd even been in the building. And and so at that point in time, there had been a new senior pastor and a new youth pastor that had come on staff. And so uh, with that being said, uh, I, I kind of worked my way in and I worked my way to the back right corner uh, of the room. And so uh, the worship team comes up and they welcome and they start singing and they go through their set. And then Pastor Bob Duranto, uh gets up and says, you know what, I don't know why, but I just feel like someone wants to share their testimony. And, uh, and I just, I kind of just put my hand down in my or, or my or my head down in my hand and I was just like this is not happening and then sure enough this little lady that used to teach my Sunday school class she stood up and talked about how God was just just blessing her in her life and blessing her family and then this gentleman stood up and then this lady stood up and the next thing you know it's noon um it's noon and the pastor Bob gets behind the pulpit again and says you know what uh well my time is pretty much over but 
I guess I can at least open up the altar if, if God is speaking to anybody. And as soon as that happened, I booked it down to the front of that church where I grew up, and I wrapped my hands around that altar and just begged for forgiveness of all the things I had been doing against God. And, and I just begged for forgiveness for just everything that was going on in my life. And so I was, as I was just crying and sobbing, I, I finally kind of come to my senses, and I'm starting to calm down. And, and the youth pastor at the time, who was Pastor Bob's son, which I didn't know at this moment, um, he comes over and he says, Harold, he says, I know who you are, and I know you're struggling with your call to ministry. And so I immediately just start beginning crying again, and I start sobbing. And I, th- I think, I, ca- I cannot believe I'm doing this in one day. I'm giving my life back to Jesus, and I'm also pursuing this call to ministry. So that following week, I resigned from my golf job. I moved back to Monticello. I got a little job doing odd-end things, um, and I was basically just doing ministry there in Monticello. And, and shortly after that, I was able to move out to Missouri, and then that led to another uh, opportunity to, 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 to play football at uh, Mid-American Nazarene University, like Olivet's sister school. Uh, and I was able to get scholarship and pursue ministry and play football, and I was also able to meet the absolute love of my life. Uh, and God just began to just bless my life over and over and over again. And that's kind of what I want to talk about with you today. So let's go ahead and and dig into some scripture. Uh, In Exodus 14, this is the part of the Exodus story where Moses is, they're out of Egypt completely, uh, and it's about to get pretty hairy. So as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, uh, the Israelites looked up, and uh, and there were the Egyptians, excuse me, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And at at this moment in time, Moses is really up against it. Uh, I mean, they just had this incredible breakthrough with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's basically saying, you know what, if you want to go, go. And and, and at this time, Moses is leading this charge out of the city, and they get to this water, but but Pharaoh kind of changed his mind, right? God hardened his heart, and then the Egyptians are coming. So there's, there's, there, there's this obstacle of water, and then they look behind them, and there's this army fast approaching, and they're looking at Moses to what to do. So Moses was really up against it. And then, uh, uh, and we're going to continue, and Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You, you need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Again, a few verses ahead in 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and their left. Now, as we read through that scripture, I think so many times we think of that as kind of like a children's type story. But I just want to take a moment, a brief moment, and talk about how big of a miracle that was, a physical miracle. It is unbelievable to me that in a moment in time when things were going so bad for Moses, uh, God gave Moses this crazy instruction to basically stick his staff out over this water, and, and, and God was going to part this sea. 
Could you imagine, can you put yourself in Moses' shoes being there with your toes kind of crept over the side of the riverbank and this water literally just begins to separate? And not so much to where it's just, it kind of, it goes, it may be like the, like the river runs out, but God creates a valley of water. It, it says that there was a wall of water on his right and a wall of water on his left. I mean, this was a big deal of what was going on. But there's a cool part about this that I really enjoy thinking about. As I was thinking about this, as I was reading it, Moses at the time, when they looked back and they saw the Egyptians coming, they could have easily surrendered, gone back to what they've had. At least they would have been fed. At least they would have had a place to live. But they could have easily went back. They could have easily went north or south, down or upstream. But this window of opportunity opened up for Moses and his people, right? This window, God had opened up this window of opportunity for him to be obedient to. And that's kind of where I want to talk about and spend the next few moments. When the water began to part, I want to think that Moses saw his purpose and his promise. Because just on the other side of that river was what God had promised his people, what God had been preparing for his people. And it would have been so easy to turn back. It would have been so easy to run down or upstream. But obedience is tricky. I don't know about for you, but for me, obedience was one of those things that never just came natural. Obedience is one of those things that I don't think will ever come easy to people. Uh, I mean, if, if it does come easy for you, then, then, then God bless you. But, uh, you know, for the most of us, I think it's a very difficult concept but it never comes easy. It's just something that's not wired in us. And I want to talk about this idea of being called to action. And in this moment, and what Moses was going through, he was being called to action. He was being called to be obedient. He was being called to follow through to his purpose and to what God had laid out for him, his plan. And here's where it gets really cool. I don't think Moses was surprised that day on the riverbank. I think when Moses was being led out to the water, I think he knew exactly what was in store. And here's the reason why I say that. From my experience, when I was pursuing God and when I wasn't pursuing God, God never led me blindly. As I said earlier from my story, I always talked about every drop of alcohol that passed my lips or every relationship that I was in. I knew what my purpose was. I knew what God's plan for my life was. I was just simply choosing not to be obedient to it. I was running the other direction. I was using my my past fears and experiences to dictate how I was moving forward. But the cool part about God is that I don't believe God leads us blindly at all. And when Moses went up to that river and he stood on the bank, and he stretched his staff out over the water, and this window of opportunity opened up, I don't believe Moses was all that shocked, because Moses saw where he was being led. Moses saw his purpose and his promise just on the other side. So some of you may be asking why I have a a window uh, up here on the stage, and maybe some of you are kind of maybe starting to connect a a couple dots, but why do I have a window up here? Um, Have you ever been in a situation where you feel something tugging at you to maybe make a certain decision or to go a certain direction. 
Have you ever been in a situation where, where, where something that, a sense that you're getting that's helping you navigate a, uh, uh, this, this, this opportunity or, or maybe something that's helping you navigate a situation that you have never really felt before? I want to encourage you by saying that that is being led. Part of my story has been extremely painful. Part of my story has caused my life a lot of frustration. But the choices that I have made and, 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 and the feedback that I get from that is because those choices I made were, were, were when I were running completely blindly. I was running dangerously. And it caused me pain and frustration. But here's the cool part. When we start to pursue God, when we really start to begin to find out who God is and how God loves us and how God cares for us, we get this sense of how we're being led and we get this sense of, of, of not seeing into the future. I'm not saying crazy stuff like that, but I'm just saying God begins to place things in front of us that we are called to act on and, 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 and that we're called to participate in. Does that make sense? Because when we're pursuing God, God doesn't lead us blindly. God's not going to take us up to this completely solid wood frame door and surprise us about what's on the other side. Because the kingdom of God, it's too important for that. The kingdom that, 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 uh, excuse me, that we're called to actively engage and participate in, it's too important to be led blindly. It's worth too much. People are worth too much. Situations that we engage in, they're, they're, they're too valuable. And so from my experience, I mean, I don't know about you, but like I kind of have this, this lens, like this window that, 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 that God puts things on the other side of. And it could be my spouse. It, it could be a student from United. It could be a homeless person that I walk beside on a street. It, I mean, it could be an addiction. It, it, it could be my pride. A number of things that God puts on the other side of this window that, that I get to engage in and participate in. An approach. Because here's my biggest fear with all of this is that there's so many of us that are so scared to act and engage the kingdom that we're missing God's blessing. We're missing his purpose and we're missing his plan for what he has for us. But the cool part about God giving us this window to see things and to have these opportunities to see things is that we get to intentionally engage it or disengage it. Maybe some of us are waiting for that one person that we only want to reach out to, but they're not coming by, but, but God just keeps sending person after person, family after family. God is sending all of this stuff, but we just say, no, not that person. Nope, I'm going to turn away. I'm going to disengage. I, I, I don't want that job. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want to spend that time engaging my family in, in that area. But, but God puts things in front of us to, to choose to engage it or disengage it. But I want to encourage you today that God has a blessing for you and God has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And it's not always going to mean a, 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 a fatter wallet or a bigger check account or, or, or perfect health. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that matter in this kingdom, things that make an impact in this kingdom. That's what God is calling us to. And that's what we're asked to engage in. In the same way as Moses, in the same way God opened that window of opportunity for Moses, and Moses, with obedience 
and courage and faith march through that dry riverbed intentionally. March through that riverbed to his purpose and his promise. We have opportunities every day. We have opportunities all the time to actively engage and participate in this. And so my challenge and my question for you is are you willing to be obedient to that? Are you willing to look out your window and just because it's not the person that you want to approach, if that person is there and God is placing those people on your heart, are you willing to engage them? Are you willing to love them? Are you willing to open your window and crawl out? Because, and because to me, <laughs> going back to the door, it's never as easy as just walking through a door. Obedience is tough. It's difficult. It's a lot like having to slide open this window and, and humbly crawl out to be intentional to this person. And so my challenge is, is what's on the other side of your window? What's on your heart? Are you missing your purpose? Are you missing your promise that God has for you? I think God uses all of us. I think God wants to use all of us. And I want to encourage you to step up to the challenge and engage what's on the other side of your window. So at this time, uh, your campus pastors are going to come up and they're going to talk to you about how you can engage this window of opportunity. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.